Till shade is gone. Till water is gone. Into the shadow with teeth bared. Screaming defiance with the last breath. To spit in Sightblinder's eye on the last day. By my honor and the light. My life will be a dagger for Sightblinder's heart. Until the last day. To, to Shiloh Ghoul itself. itself. This is a Dagger for Sightblinder, a podcast focused on all things Wheel of Time, with your hosts, Sarah Lucas and Adam Tricola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Dagger for Sightblinder. May you find shade this day. I, I hope. Sarah, by the, at this point, you've become somewhat adept at finding shade. I think I have. I have to do it all by myself. You don't share any. How much shade does Canada have? Uh, probably depends what area you're in. That's a good answer. <laughs> How about the place that you're in? Are there a lot of trees? I don't, I don't know. What's the landscape? Where I am? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like a ton, but there's a decent amount. You just have so much specificity. Here. I know. You're, you're really just killing it what, on the descriptions. What, what constitutes a lot of trees? I, I'm the one asking the questions here. So. I, can, I can find shade relatively easily. Okay, good. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. Right. So let's, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. We've got, we've got a good show for you guys today. We actually, I actually read the book um, beforehand. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was helpful. Uh, so we can actually talk about specific plot points and everything. Uh, but first, I guess I should... Oh, what do we want to do first? I guess spoiler warning and then shameless plugs or vice versa. Either or. Um, we might as well just do the spoiler warning for the chapters. All right. So chapters of the great in, in the great hunt, the second book, chapters five to nine. So five chapters total. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones we're talking about. Yeah, they're great, apparently. Yep. So no, they are great. There's actually a lot of really interesting things. There's one of the chapters, especially, that has a lot of really awesome, I don't know, spoiler potential, I guess, but also just a lot of good implications and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but before we do that, just want to give the, the little spiel, the shameless plugs for everyone. So uh, let's see, in, in the video description, if you're watching on YouTube or in the show notes, if you're listening to the actual podcast, uh, there's going to be a link to the Discord server, which is just like a chat, a big chat room with a bunch of different channels and stuff. You can sign up for which spoilers you want and everything. You won't get spoiled unless you actually click on the places you want to, uh, for spoilers, including for the show. You have to click on that. So our Discord server, though, it's fun. We're, we're growing at like three members per week. So it's just... We really look forward to having like 450 people uh, by the end of a full year. It's actually yeah. not bad. It's actually okay growth, but we would love to have you guys. And otherwise, 
uh, if you guys, uh, I mean, things that'll help our show uh, quite a bit, uh, just hitting, if you have an option to review and just write us, like give us a written review, even if it's just pretty short, just saying something like, these guys are so amazing or something like that. Uh, and give us a five-star rating. That really helps rank us. If you're on Podbean, giving us a follow would really help. If you are on YouTube, liking videos, commenting on them, and especially hitting that sub button is also extremely helpful for our channel. I'm trying to mount the algorithm if I to borrow from other content creators. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're getting we're getting there. We're, mm -hmm. But, you know, if we ever want to create videos for this channel, that will be, uh, you know, that'll be a huge part of it. So, um, ooh, that yeah. occurs to me. We don't have it in the notes, I don't think, but we were going to kind of, we were going to discuss maybe uh, what we're, what we're doing. Like, we're going to change this, change the cast just a little bit, I guess. Right. We are. A tiny bit. Could, you want to talk more about that? Because I just rambled forever. Um. Yeah, so we're going to do five chapters today of the book, but I think moving forward, we're going to try to clip along at a bit of a faster pace because we are uh, reading so far ahead of where we actually are. So I think we're going to try to do like 10 chapters each episode, which means theoretically we would get through a book a month, give or take. Yeah. So we should be done the series within about a year yeah right which which would be i mean fine like we'll still when the show comes out we'll still do all of the the reviews on the show and everything you know mm -hmm. do the bonus episodes but then uh the, our thought is once we're, we want to do wheel of time that is absolutely part of our focus uh, mm -hmm. we also would like to start looking at potential other books within the fantasy genre. And I mean, there's so much potential. And honestly, I think the biggest, the most discussed on channel in our Discord server is the other books right. channel. Like everyone wants to talk about Sanderson and, you know, the different the different Ender books and, you know, Star Wars books and all, all this, all this awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, just perpetually reading Wheel of Time over and over again might, I mean, I think it could be entertaining, but I think exploring other books would be great. But uh, on the other hand, I would, we would love to hear what you guys think. So on our Discord server, if you guys want to give us feedback on that, if you want to go to other books, what you think, let us know what you think about changing the pace of this and everything. We, we really want, I mean, we don't create content that everyone wants to listen to. And right. I think... I mean, this is one of those things that I, I think, I think this might be a good way to expand our channel's reach a little bit too. Right. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we totally will. Right. Um, cool. So do you want to talk about the show news? Because I actually found like a tiny bit of show news, which I uh, thought was. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. And just so you guys are aware, if you're listening to this on a regular release date, it's it's actually we're recording it significantly right. before that because there are real life things that make us that, that make make us want to record it like four days before we normally do so um if if there's some huge crazy momentous news that happens in the next four days before this is published we will not have any word about it at all until the next episode 
Correct. Good point. Um, so the the little bit that I found, it's not crazy news, um, but it kind of gives a little bit more of a timeline for season two. Um, so first of all, they are still filming in Prague. They're filming the last two episodes. So they haven't even wrapped yet. Just, you know, so we're all aware end of, end of January still have not wrapped. Um, but Priyanka Bose, who plays Alana, the green, yeah, she's the green Aja, green, green Aes Sedai. Um, she was doing like an Instagram live or Facebook live, whatever, doesn't matter, a live video on her social media. And people were asking her questions. Um, and she almost leaked when the second season is going to start. Someone asked her when it was going to air and she said mid and then caught herself and readjusted and said this year. So we know based off of that, that it's the middle of a month, most likely um which tells us nothing tells us nothing however when you couple it with the fact that they don't want lord of the rings and wheel of time overlapping and lord of the rings is starting in september it's supposed to be eight episodes long so if it's eight weeks that's going to push it to the end of october which means probably middle of november is when we would get season two with okay really basic deduction skills well i'm glad you have said basic deduction skills sarah Right. I will be the first to admit I'm wrong if I am wrong, but my guess middle of November. Okay. Middle of November. When did it start last time? That was, that's like the same time, right? Yeah. It started, it was like November 19th or something like that. Yeah. So it's fine. If they do it yearly, I don't need it. I don't need it more often. Right. You know, and that would probably, Oh, you just never know. unless you're in the business. My guess is that rushing these things if they had to rush it they would have worse a worse product and i mean yeah right i guess i guess we still need to like rewatch these yeah and, and actually because people in the discord had a minor revolt actually they were like you know what you guys have read the books and that may maybe that ruined the show for you but we actually liked the show and i was like oh we should we should rewatch okay. them yeah we'll figure that yeah. out I think I feel like we should finish this book because there's a lot of things that happen in this book that All right. have to do with it. So in a month, we will rewatch them. Yeah. Or two. Mm-hmm. All or right. Never. Or never. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, jeez. Uh, Louise. I don't know when the last time I said that was, but I know when the next time I will say it, it will be, and that's oh, never. 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 So... Is that the only news that Alana almost ruined everything? That's the only news. That's it. Mm. Mid. Mid. Mid year. Well, I don't think it's mid year, but. Let's talk about the book, you say? Yeah, let's get into the book. All right. You have a lot of awesome notes here. I do. I took a lot of notes. I don't know how in depth we want to get, but uh, yeah, let's start in chapter five, the shadow and Shinar. Um, so this was, I don't know if this was like the best chapter. This is this for me when I, when I first listened to this was the like chapter that really kicked off the book for me um, at the end, which we'll get to, but this was the, the one where I was like, all right, like, things things are gonna happen um in in book two so anyway 
yeah. starts off with Moraine and Suan, and they're just kind of discussing their plans in secret, which is, you know, the fact they've been looking for the Dragon Reborn and trying trying to track him down. Um, and <laughs> Swan's a little frustrated that she hasn't heard from Moraine. She's only heard from her twice while she's been gone. Um, you know, she's just been a little, little snippy. It's kind of entertaining, though, to... You, you see this um, power dynamic for how they are in public, and then you see this uh, different dynamic a little bit behind the scenes. So it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah. Um, so initially, we find out that they wanted to actually hide Rand in Tarvalon so that they could instruct him secretly. I'm assuming they secretly wanted to help him. This this part was a little bit gray for me because do they want to help him learn how to channel or do they just want to help him like guide him to what he should be doing next because they can't really teach him how to channel like this is something that they've addressed and repeatedly addressed that they can't teach him um, right. so they can't they can't it's very different right so anyway so that was the initial plan and now they're like nope um, Matt and Perrin and him need to go with the horn to Ilian so that he can present it um, and, you know, mm -hmm. claim his dragon reborn. Basically have this, like, army already following him because he is the dragon reborn and be mm -hmm. ready, to, ready to go. So that's the new plan. Um, what I really liked about this interaction, though, was they were talking about the, the wheel weaving and, and the prophecy and all this. And they are um Sw swan really is the one that she's like oh what if we like accidentally gentled the wrong dragon like what if one of these false dragons we've gentled is actually the true dragon reborn and now like we we can't undo this and it, it's it's really interesting for me to see her like as the omerlin seat being the one having this kind of not necessarily a spiral but just this thought process of like, what if? Um, but what I really liked about this was Moraine's choice of words. And it really just accent accentuates the fact that she she highlighted the fact that that wouldn't be a problem. Like that can't happen because the pattern isn't demanding a dragon. It's demanding the dragon. So if you're gentling the fall, all of these false dragons, they were never the dragon to begin with. And it's just this little bit of accentuation on choice of words that really stood out in this whole conversation. And I loved it. What did you think? Yeah, I, th I thought it was, I think it's cool. Like, uh, I like their trust in the pattern. It, it's a very interesting thing. I mm -hmm. mean, it, it's, it really takes on this really religious feel, honestly, because uh, like if they've gentled the wrong dragon then like the pattern wouldn't let that happen like it were you know right like we, they're, they're essentially like I, I don't know if you'd call it worshiping the dragon but or not the dragon the pattern right but at the same time like they trust that there is oversight occurring kind of like they know it's it's kind of like a little kid who it just assumes that like their their daddy's gonna catch them when they jump off a high thing you know they just like jump and their dad's like oh crap like but but the little kid had never never had any doubt at all that you know right 
that they'd just be caught and they'd be safe. And, uh, you know, I, I just have personal experience with that, so <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it happened with our youngest. And he was like, I was like, you can't do that. What if I didn't catch you? And he was, his answer was, but you did. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, like, <laughs> simple enough, you know, yeah, like, but, but like, you did. Well, right. And at the same time, Moraine and Swan are like, but, but the pattern will catch us. Exactly. They're like, well, we can't gentle the wrong one. Right. Like it, it's not possible. So, right. Cause if we gentled them, then they weren't the right one. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they just have this blind faith and mm-hmm. it's just, just a very interesting thing. Cause if you said that they worship, you know, like what's your religion, uh, you know, they probably right. wouldn't say that they worship the pattern or whatever. They probably wouldn't worship the creator either. I just, um, yeah, I, I like that. I do like that. Um, uh, one thing I really like, I just, I like Moraine because she's so, she's so twisty and so like, she's so manipulative and it's fun because, because mm-hmm. at first Swan is all mopey and petulant and, and it's just like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? And so it just, it shows the steps that Moraine kind of just goes through to she, it, like to fire Swan up. And then once Swan is actually, back into it then then Moraine's like all right I'm gonna go back into a more reserved pose and we're gonna actually have our discussion <laughs> it's true so yeah so that's basically like what they've discussed and what the what the new plan is going to be um yeah so then we then we switch point of views mid-chapter we get a, we get a couple of different a few different point of views here um, I do. So now we're we're with the white cloaks all of a sudden with mm-hmm. with Bornhold, um, and they're near the Almoth plane, um, but yeah. you you it's just like a really brief cutaway and you get this kind of insight into them and um, he is annoyed that he was called back. For, um, he's going to they're sending him back to to Amadora from Camelon and Amon Valda's you know, I think he's there as well, if I remember correctly. Um, but he wants to follow Elaine's procession to Tarvalon. So they're keeping an eye on Elaine, which is a really interesting um, little thing where you can kind of see these white cloaks uh, keeping their eye on things and wanting to follow specific people and see what's going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, a little little sneaky yeah so i think there there's two total white cloaks that i Mm -hmm. like well for a little at some point there are there are perhaps more but initially there are only two that and uh, one of them we've talked about gia from bornhall the Mm -hmm. the one that you you don't necessarily like but you know like it's whatever he's the one who put who put Perrin and Egwene kind of to trial or whatever, you know, to, to right. the question at least a little bit. And then, but he was civil about it, it a little bit at least, et cetera. But uh, then the other one I like is Pedrin Nile. He's the Lord Captain Commander of the White Cloaks. And, you know, it, it later becomes, I don't know if they, I don't remember if they say it in this one or not, but he's he's one of the great captains. Right. Like he's, he's, a, he's one of the top five generals in, in all the land. And, mm-hmm. you know, he... he they live in uh, Amador, 
and he, he clearly has his disdain for the Amadisian king is just totally, you know, it's, it's, it's really apparent here. It's, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but it's fun to see them interact. And, you know, Pedro Nile makes some incorrect conclusions sometimes, but he always comes by them, you know, like with, with like there's good reasoning behind it. It's just, it's, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I like their interaction. So uh, this is also the part of the book that talks about boars, actually, I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's prologue. just, it's really, really brief. Like, it's, it's a very short little snippet that's there um, mm -hmm. before we change point of views again. Well, so so let's see. They're with Bornhold, and then Bornhold, mm -hmm. and then Bornhold, like, goes through, like, it, for him, it, it's, you know, a lot of time passes. Right. right. And he suddenly, because he, he finally goes to the Terrabon, to Terrabon, right? And he's, he's sneaking around. Yes, yes, with, with yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so what did, what do you think about the White Cloak chapters? Because you, you obviously have different, or the points of view, I should say, not the chapters. Well, okay, so, so a, another point in Bornhold's favor here is, uh, so, so, they have to say, you know, Pedro Nile sending them on some kind of a, like a whole army of them sending them to Terrabon mm -hmm. and on some quest that he doesn't even have an idea. He doesn't know what the mission is. And Pedro Nile's like, well, if anyone sees you, you have to kill them because we can't let anyone know. And so, and so Bornhold puts a lot of effort. You can, you know, from his point of view, he's talking about how they'd finally gotten there and they hadn't had to kill anyone. Mm -hmm. And that was something like, of pride, something worth worth valuing for him. It was, you know, like he was, he felt pride and joy that he did. Right, that's a good point. So he's actively trying not to be seen to avoid that situation. Right. Yeah. Whereas some might not care. Some might not. Yeah, good point. Um, like a, a lot of the, well, like and then he gets to where he's going and and the guy was like, oh, the, this village has been pacified. Like they meet other white cloaks and, and those white cloaks were like, yeah, we'll just kill everyone in this town. Like, we don't care. We'll just kill everyone. So right. that they don't know who we are and that we're here. And, you know, they call it pacified, but then Bornhold's like, I wonder if they just dumped the bodies, you know, outside the village, if they buried them, well, like, what do they do with the bodies? And so, so Right, it, it's it's disturbing on some levels for mm -hmm. sure, mm -hmm. and on other levels, it's I don't know, it's it's just interesting that we we get to um, we get to see have, have this insight, I guess, right. on on like some some white cloaks are decent, you know, honorable humans, and some are just despicable, awful people. Right, which and is oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's an interesting um, thing to see like that that scale basically of of moral in the same group of people basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know if it's revealed here or not actually. So he meets up with Karadin, like Joachim Karadin or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Like that, he's the commander of the of this group, and I, I'm fairly sure. Uh, you know, people can correct us on the Discord if, if I'm wrong. But if I remember correctly, he is actually Boars. 
is the commander of the questioners, the, the, the group that are there, um, that had pacified the whole town. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. I mainly focused on Bornhold and them, you know, wanting to follow Elaine. So I'm trying to remember. But yeah, that's yeah. the case. Anyways, uh, I, I mean, it's a, they, they talk about it more in other uh, books and things and stuff, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, so, so they're on the Almuth plane and, uh, and stuff. I mean, that's, that's yeah. basically it. He's, they have, they have some kind of a mission. We'll come back to the white cloaks eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we switch points of view again. Mm-hmm. And we're now with Leandrin. Yeah. Which is, I think this is, this is the first chapter that we've had her point of view. I think if I remember right. I don't think yeah. Heard her before. Anyway, That's which true. is just, which is just interesting. But um, anyway, she's so she's going to go visit Lady Amelisa. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets there and. I thought this was just so interesting because so Lady Amelise is there and, and there are a bunch of um, attendants there and, and they're reading this book that I can't remember the title of it, but it's a, basically supposed to outline how men and women um, are supposed to like interact with each other. Um, uh, but it's funny. Like, it's, right. It, but, it's for their amusement. Right. And, and just Leandrin gets just so worked up over the fact that they're reading this book though and then mm-hmm. you know harshly gets rid of all of the attendants out of the rooms just so that she can um talk to lady Amelisa on her own and the whole thing seemed like the biggest overreaction over a book um just so that she could like admonish Amelisa on her own which really like you find out she's not trying to she's got ulterior motives here but um yeah it was just entertaining well she yeah like you you're not supposed to like leandrin right no it's just but it was just so harsh just so ridiculous that yeah over it was it was over the top and extreme so oh totally yeah like it's it it was unreasonable of her for sure yeah um Anyway, so Leandrin is basically questioning Amelisa about dark friends and who she can trust. And she's getting, you know, Amelisa gets gets a little bit offended here. But um, she did say something that I thought really stuck out was that Leandrin said she hunts all men who are corrupted, not just those who can touch the one power. So anything that you've done that would make you corrupted as a man she's gonna hunt you for which to me my immediate thought was like oh like if you're a dark friend like you would be corrupted and she would hunt you oh and it all depends on what her definition of corrupted is and what she's going to take as evidence of said corruption right that's a great point too so i just thought it was was interesting um but then we get a little bit of insight into her like training background and growing up and how she has this ability that they forbade it while she was training in, in the tower, mm-hmm. um, which only encouraged her to like work at concealing it in order for her to be able to keep doing it, which really gives you a lot of background information into who she is as a character and her personality traits. 
and that, you know, she can be pretty deceitful. Um, True. And yeah, so you, you, you learn that she can basically compel people to believe her and um, do what she wants and give her the answers that she's asking questions to and all this kind of um, um, stuff. So it's Must be nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But she's doing this to Amelisa. Like she's, she's mm-hmm. trying to coerce all of this information out of her. Um, and you end up, you end up realizing that, or Leandrin tells Amelisa that, you know, the, the boys that Moraine came to town with are worse than dark friends and they've got to be rounded mm-hmm. up and all of this has to be done in secrecy and take them to Tarvalon in secrecy um, because of the Black Aja. And this is when you, when you realize that, you know, she's telling Amelie the Black Aja are real. Like it's not a rumor, it's not a myth. Like they, they are real. Um, there are sisters anywhere in the tower that when, when Amelie's walking around that could be part of the Black Aja. And Leandrin kind of like, she phrases it in a mm-hmm. way that makes it known that she knows who they are. She's not going to out who they are. But if Amelisa does what she wants, she'll protect her. Um, and it's just so obvious that, you know, she's Yuck. she's not good business. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's dirty. Um, so dirty. So well, one thing that's interesting about this is just the the difference between Lady Amalisa here mm-hmm. in in the book versus their use of Lady Amalisa in the show. Right. So you know, Lady Amalisa is the one who can in the show just barely channel, which isn't actually mm-hmm. part of the book at all. Uh, but you know, she's the one who almost kills Nynaeve and Egwene mm-hmm. by over channeling. Right. That's right. And then she just dies at the end of book one. And so in this one, she's she's significantly di- different, which mm-hmm. is fine, actually. I'm fine with, with it. But but yeah, so she just totally crumbles to Leandrin's will slash power, which yeah. I've always I've I, I have I have issues a little bit with, I mean, so do, so Lady Amelisa kind of just like folds. To, mm-hmm. to Leandrin here, uh, I don't necessarily love the idea that Lady Emily, like that anyone, can just like totally be, uh, I don't know, folded up by a, an Aes Sedai at will, at the will of an Aes Sedai, like a, of someone right. who uses the power. Like, do, does Lady Emily have a chance to fight it or not? I, I've always felt, you know, there there are similar other things throughout this series that that this sort of thing happens and mm-hmm. uh i just i've never know i don't really exactly know how i like specifically feel about this with uh, how do you feel like in in stories when someone lady emily says like no choice she has no option against right. like so now suddenly you know if if leandrin is telling her to go like do something awful and you know it suddenly makes lady emily like a murderer or a thief or whatever something outside of her character mm-hmm. it, i just it always bugs me what about you um do i don't know if it necessarily bugs me for me it's one of those things where i feel like something like this would completely depend on the person that you're trying to affect mm-hmm. so 
for her to just fold like this to me it makes me think that maybe lady amelisa is a little bit you know not i don't want to say she's weak but she might not necessarily have the same backbone or moral strength that another person would have and that person might be able to resist it a little bit more um so then again if it's just a on and off switch type situation where you either obey or don't i don't know how i feel about that it's fair i feel like that would be a little bit of a cop-out yeah, I, I've never, I've never liked it where someone just, you know, mm-hmm. I have the power, I win, right, or something. I mean, I mean, there's certain things in life, I guess, that that just happen like that. I mean, uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, you have shootings and stuff that mm-hmm. you know it's not awesome. Of course, I, I hate it. Uh, there, there's a, the argument though that some people just have no choice. Like they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the person with the gun just, you know can take them out and that you know the person with the gun has the ultimate power there and i guess the similar similarly someone with the power mm-hmm. you know in this case would be like well they have they have a weapon that the other person doesn't and therefore they hold more i just i've never liked overthrowing someone's free will i i just right i don't know it, it always feels a little cringy to me but uh, we can move on from it it's a pretty minor point in the story to be honest fair um Cool. So this, this little bit is basically where the chapter ends, switch points of view again. Um, but this was, this is the part that like really kickstarts the book for me. Um, and, and we're in Pat and Fane's cell in the dungeon and, mm-hmm. you know, someone just enters, um, um, that enters his cell and he, you know, kind of has this line about he's surprised to see them and they, yeah, things like- aren't, they, I can't remember the exact phrasing. I should have written it down, but it says something about like things aren't what they seem or wasn't what who he was expecting or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, I mean, they don't really yeah. explicitly say this, but it, it, it seems like Pat and Fane is getting broken out of his cell. Yep. Yep. And he's like, oh, I wouldn't have thought that you would break me out. Yeah. And he's yep. just like, cool. Thanks. Well, and and I mean, because we're covering this full section, I mean that we can have spoilers within it. Like that—that that mm-hmm. is what happens. Is he's getting broken out and right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, cool. So that's how that chapter ends. Neat. Neat, indeed. So we head to chapter six, which is dark prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, which. I know, I know you don't like these, but that starts with another dream, another one of Rand's nightmares. Um, and the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I made so many correlations between this dream and what actually happens in the chapter. Um, but he is, it sounds like he's in like some kind of apartment or whatever in this dream and it doesn't matter. The, the point is that Matt's there and he looks completely lifeless when he's talking to rand in the dream excuse me and he sees it like the the dagger is in matt's chest and like he can see the ruby hilt on it um so he's obviously like the the dagger is just in him um and perrin's there and you know he's got blood running out of his eye sockets it's very obvious both of them are just dead basically 
Um, and then Balsamon and Thane both speak together at the same time to Rand as one, um, saying that the battle is never done to him. Um, right. So he he jerks awake and he's in in the apartments because Egwene hid him last time in in her apartment, um, but she's not there. He's he's just hanging out with Nynaeve and she's knitting. Knitting. She's knitting. Um, <laughs> cool. It is cool. Uh, so anyway, so he she explains to him that that Egwene went to go visit Pat and Fane with either Matt or Perrin if she found them like one of them. Um, and he's not thrilled about this news because Pat and Fane is dangerous. Um, but you know, we see so many little things here happening with Rand and Nynaeve, um, having this conversation and he wants to know if people have started looking for him yet. If the Omerlin started looking for him, like, you know, all this stuff, but then he's also insisting to Nynaeve that he killed the dark one. Like he was there. He saw it happen. The dark one is dead. Um, and he's just so insistent on this. It's, yes. it's a little bit, I mean, I don't want to say it's upsetting, but it almost feels stubborn in a way, even though he like, he was there, like he says, but yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I mean, he is stubborn. He is. Uh, they're all stubborn. Everyone from the two rivers is stubborn. <laughs> it's a trait of being a, of being from the two rivers. Uh, and they all accuse each other of being stubborn. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you too. You too. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's it's just pretty silly. But at the same time, I mean, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, he. He calls, he, he summons, or, you know, he says Shaitan. He says the dark one's name. It's the, yeah. the he who shall not be named. And it is. And then, and then he feels like the dark one's like grabbing him kind of or touching him. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's a very interesting thing. Like instead of like it, I, Harry Potter was written after this. So, it, yes. it, you know, but it's like, it, back in, in, in Harry Potter, he's he they speak that you know he's they show the Harry's like he's the only brave one brave enough to say Voldemort out loud. Everyone else is afraid to say his name, but there's never mm-hmm. any reason not to say his name. In right in, in this, it, it shows a tangible reason for people not to say his name. Like it's actually a thing. Well, it's funny that you say that because later on in Harry Potter, there does become a tangible reason not to say his name um because eventually what ends up happening is they're they're trying to find harry um in the Mm -hmm. last book and they know that he is the only one that will say his name so they actually curse it and now if if harry says it the the voldemort's follower followers are able to track his location and find out where he is Oh, okay. So, so it's, there's there's a there's a effect. Yeah. It happens obviously considerably down the line in the story, but there is a tangible effect as well. Okay. I bet you, I bet you would be Hufflepuff if you had to be a house. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> so rude. Oh man. 
Um, anyway, though, back to the chapter. So Rand and I and Eve are having this whole conversation. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. I, I didn't find the conversation to be that necessarily important to the storyline. What, what actually is happening now is in the keep, the alarm, there's an alarm going off and everyone's just panicking and scrambling. Mm-hmm. Rand's freaking out because Egwene went down to the dungeons to go see Fane and now this alarm's going off and all this is happening. So he runs out and he um, ends up running into the Amarlin in the hallway. And while all this is going on, they realize there are Trollocs in the keep. The town is fighting. There are Fades and Murdral. Like all this stuff is just like coming in. And he is like, I got to get to the dungeons to get to Egwene. Mm-hmm. And on his way there, like he's coming across Trollocs that have been killed, men that have been killed. Um, and he ends up coming across a a fade and then Ingtar arrives like right at the same time basically and is like oh I'm gonna kill the Murdral like you go get Egwene like go get your girl um which is just so funny considering Rand and Egwene's relationship um Mm -hmm. anyway but he goes down to the dungeons and he does get there and he notices that the door is not locked It's, it's you know kind of a jar and cracked open which is it's not supposed to be um and he gets in there the guards are dead and like not only are they are they dead they have been horrifically dismembered like you can't even tell where their bodies are in terms of the room Mm -hmm. it's just really uh really horrific and there are messages written in blood all over the walls um which again the, the one that he he is able to read they're they're all in kind of scripture and but he's able to read one that's on the door um Mm -hmm. and it says we will meet again on toman head it is never over althor and i immediately was like hey he just had a dream where they were like it's not over battle's not over Mm -hmm. Um, so immediately that that was why i kind of wanted to talk about about his uh dream a little bit um but also so he panics and is like i gotta get rid of these messages on the wall and starts scrubbing at them when leandrin comes in and she tries to compel him as well and oh yeah so she's using the power she's using her her little trick she used on on what's her name yeah so she's trying and here like you actually Mm -hmm. hear Rand describe it as like these frozen bands that are trying to crush in on his chest and like you could because he's resisting her like he's not giving her what she wants um and it's well and he starts reaching for the power right and you it it was just interesting Mm because the way that they described her trying to compel him was almost it almost felt like she was just like got like a vice grip on him and was just trying to do it and it was not happening yeah Yeah. well I, i mean I think I think he felt like it was it was inevitable it would eventually happen right right so but I mean it, it doesn't because <laughs> Moraine comes in right at that time mm-hmm. um which like Leandrin stops and you know Egwene and Matt are are down there they're unconscious on the floor Paddenfeen's cell is empty um and then Moraine notices that the dagger is gone. Matt's dagger is not there when she's like tending to Matt, yep. mm-hmm. um, which is bad news bears. And Rand lets them know that Pat and Fane's not in the cell. Um, right. 
so anyway, we, we realized that Matt's actually in worse danger because the dagger isn't there. And, and you realize this when Moraine decides you can see the difference. Egwene can go back to her room and she just needs a woman to attend to her and watch her. Mm-hmm. Matt needs to go to the Omerlin's chambers. So it's a completely different um, course of action for both of them. And considering they're both unconscious. Um, and then Ingtar comes in and the horn of Valir is also gone. And so good. Like, yeah. Yeah. So Wonderful. yeah, that's uh, great news for everybody involved. Yeah, I think the most interesting part of of this uh, mm-hmm. section actually is is when Moraine comes down and it right in the middle of Leandrin using her power on Rand and mm-hmm. she's like, "What's going on here?" and you know, like she she doesn't know, but at, at some point, like she does know that Leandrin's channeling at least right. And it's just a very interesting thing. Like they, they both have the power held and it's a very tense moment. And, you know, a, a huge part of me, I just wanted to be like, yeah, like smite her, Moraine. <laughs> Get her, take her out. And it didn't happen, unfortunately. Didn't. I just wanted Leandrin to get smitten, smote. Smote, she, she smote done get down. It. You done got smote. Yeah. But uh, it didn't, didn't happen, but it was... Yeah, that, that part was really interesting. And everyone's has something to hide here, though, because Leandrin's mm. afraid of it. She doesn't want Moraine to know what, what exactly she was doing. And Rand doesn't want them to know what was on the wall. Uh, and, you know, I guess Moraine isn't necessarily hiding anything except for the fact that she's kind of in, you know, she's she's got her own conspiracy with the Amerlin to, to do other things. Like it's... You know, and Rand doesn't want them to know that, he, or Leandra to know that he's a channeler, and I don't know. There's, there's all this stuff, but then they're also very concerned about what's going on in the greater mm-hmm. scheme of things in this, in this prison, and uh, just this very tense, strange moment. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that part. Totally. Um, yeah. So the chapter pretty much wraps up. Rand goes back to his room. Yeah. And yeah. That's, yep. that's pretty much it. He's with Lan. Um, and then we, we go into chapter seven. Blood calls blood, which I'm pretty excited about. This one was this was a good chapter. This is a there's a lot of a lot to unpack, I feel like, but the, the, this is the one, this is one that I could I could spoil an enormous amount of things, but mm-hmm. there's there's some stuff that is actually extremely important for the greater narrative uh, mm-hmm. for for different characters and stuff. And, and I will point out some of these lines to be paying attention for later. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, we'll go ahead and, get, you know, you can do your recap thing here. Right. So, like. I mean, it, it's pretty straightforward. They're in the Omerlin's chambers, it's Moraine and Liana and, and Varen and the Omerlin are basically trying to heal Matt and they've they've come to the agreement that they need to find this dagger. The dagger needs to be with Matt because he's still kind of linked to it. It's not fully mm-hmm. broken. And the longer he is without it, he's going to die. Um, but the, the downside is that the dagger can corrupt people so if you go out to find the dagger and you touch it you're now corrupted 
Um, and then you corrupt everyone around you. And it's just this never ending cycle of corruption happening and the dagger just keeps making its way around and all this corruption happens in the, in the world. Um, and Moraine is the one who voices that what they actually need to do is heal Matt enough that he can be the one to go and find the dagger because he is able to touch it without being corrupted from it because he's um, kind of sealed off from it enough thanks to her that he can be the only person that does this without having any major repercussions and then you know he'll be able to survive and it's it's a little bit of this like double-edged sword in a way because not only do, do they need to heal him so that he can be the one to do this they can't let him they can't let him die for that reason either because he is the only one that can do it without there being major blowback so if they let him die somebody else has to go get the dagger and stop this, but then that person will be corrupted. So you, right. you need Matt. Like the, they basically have to use Matt. Um, anyway, so it, the, the real important thing here that I know you're dying to get into is that Varen was able to translate a lot of the scripture that was written in blood on the wall in the dungeon before it was, you know, or washed clean or whatever you want to call it. Um, and she she says that it does read kind of like a prophecy and a little bit like poetry so um Mm -hmm. you know i know there's one chunk i don't know if you want to get into the chunk that you want to talk about but oh well so uh, you know she's got all this analysis you know she's Mm -hmm. she's talking about you know there's the daughter of the night she walks again you know and she makes she makes all these conclusions and stuff uh you know and a lot of a lot of this stuff is more immediate uh in and really like there's there's this part that you almost you, you don't ever need it in order to fully or in order to enjoy this uh in order to enjoy it it's not it's not absolutely necessary but the there is uh, you know there's this there's this part of it it's the the third stanza i guess mm-hmm. uh, where where it says luke came to the mountains of doom isam waited in the high passes the hunt has now begun. The shadows hounds now course and kill. One did live, one and one did die, but both are. The time of change has come. And then it goes into the refrain. Uh, so if you kind of take out the, the part about the hunt is now begun, the shadows hounds now course and kill, like that, that, that doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, though though it, it actually, it makes sense in the greater context of this as well. But this is talking about Luke came to the mountains of doom, Esam waited in the high passes, uh, one did live and one did die, but both are. Uh, so these two people are essentially being combined into one somehow, like they're, right. they're one, one body. And uh, th- this will come into play uh, in, in a big way in book four. Interesting. Like the, it's been referenced a tiny bit in book one as well. I don't know. I don't remember if it's in three at all, but in book four, like you, you blink and you miss it. But this is, this is one of those things that it's like Robert Jordan had it planned from a, like from a, a long ways away. And it's, it bec- it's still relevant all the way to the final book. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just say that. Like it's, it's this thing that you don't really understand what or who they are, but it gives greater context to who, like what what the like what this person is when once you see him so it's uh it's worth worth a look worth a uh, uh, Luke when you get to <laughs> when you get to it uh in book four so okay I'll keep it in mind 
and book four is my favorite book so Mm -hmm. you know it's not my favorite number but it is my favorite (laughs) book um yeah so she she reads this off and she's you know she basically says she doesn't know if it's prophecy she doesn't know if it's a taunt um but she does guess that one of the three boys is the dragon reborn and that you know he hasn't been gentled yet and she notices this and you know they have this whole conversation about everything that baron knows essentially um and then yeah we go over to perrin he's in the infirmary with matt afterwards Mm -hmm. um and he's kind of remembering the the night before so to speak of when the alarm was going off and what he was doing and he was out in the gardens and he felt like he was being watched by the eye said eye and all this Mm -hmm. um and you realize when Matt Matt wakes up shortly after this and he doesn't remember anything other than Egwene wanting him to go see Pat and Fane. Um, and Perrin can hear footsteps coming. Like he's just acutely aware of them. So, and it's Liana coming in and I love this. It's just so great. She notices that his eyes are this golden yellow um, and she kind of like hits on him as she's coming in, which is just hilarious because he, Perrin is so mm-hmm. awkward. He's so awkward and uncomfortable. And, she, you know, Leanna just kind of makes this comment about making her, making her, Perrin is making her wish that she was a green. Um, and it's just the funniest phrasing I found anyway. Um, but he ends up leaving and he goes back to his room um, where Rand is. Rand hasn't slept. And they are clearly arguing, Perrin and Rand, you know, parents pissed. Rand was a dick the day before, two days before, mm-hmm. whenever it was. Um, and he's trying to apologize and parents not really having it. And, you know, he just lets him know Matt's okay mm-hmm. and storms out of there. And that's, he just doesn't want to talk to, he doesn't want to talk to Rand. Um, and, and Rand, you know, he, he admits that he feels a little bit better knowing that matt is okay and he feels better about leaving them basically right. um but the chapter ends and you know it, it ends with land coming in and telling Rand that he's gotta he's gotta change his clothes because the omerlin wants to see him and he can't go dressed like that he looks like a haystack right <laughs> which is just fantastic i really like that word like calling someone instead of telling someone they look like a haystack yeah yeah it's great fantastic yeah uh yeah so i i don't know that i just get annoyed when like matt or rand rand makes a mistake and mm-hmm. perrin's like you know what like screw you like i'm not gonna forgive you why would they're I stubborn you? right i know it it bugs the heck out of me i just i i, I guess i don't tend i could be stubborn about certain things i guess i just you know it's good that it's good that he's he's consistent like they they basically say like in the two rivers people are stubborn and so they're, they're being consistent with the character type but it still just always bugs me when like all rand did was say a few words that were a little hurtful mm-hmm. and parents like at first he thinks about forgiving him and then he says oh screw that i'm not why would i forgive you I, right it, it just kind of bugs me right it's just He's just being stubborn. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> so chapter eight the dragon reborn um mm -hmm. yeah so Rand Rand's going to the see the animal and he's walking through through the keep and right away he's he's I I thought this was I mean this completely makes sense that he's thinking this he's assuming he's going to be gentle like that this is when it's happening like it, mm -hmm. it's all over um he does not recognize several of the women that he's passing on the way and then he get, gets there and liana's there and she also teaches or sorry teases rand and you know makes a, a comment about making sure not to let any greens see him because they'll you know bond to him immediately um right which between this and the last chapter liana's just growing on me because i like her humor but leandrin no liana oh okay How, not, oh. not leandrin liana's making these jokes oh yeah i i like i really like liana she's yeah. great actually yeah. she's just making all these comments and it's fantastic mm -hmm. um but anyway so 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 ran gets in there and the omerlin basically says to him like okay so matt Perrin, and ingtar are gonna go look for the horn and you can go with them if you want Myself, Moraine, and Egwene and Ineve are going to go to Tower Valens. So we're not going to be here. So if you don't go with them to look for the horn, you can chill here, uh, mm -hmm. but you're going to be by yourself. And, okay. you know, she lets him know he doesn't need to pick right away, but like, have your pick. What do you want to do? Do you want to stay here alone? Do you want to go with them and look for the horn? And you can tell, like, Rand is just confused because he's clearly thinking he was going to be gentled, um, but he does choose to, to go with Ingtar um but he well hold on so so you, you kind of glossed over a part at the start where where lan like tutors uh rand on how to like mess with the amaralyn a little bit. right sorry yes you're right i completely missed that uh i, I really like that part because but you see another instance of lan feeling kind of in a way parental Mm -hmm. toward toward rand of of like he's he wants to help rand out even though one of his Aes Sedai like his Aes Sedai is one of the people on the Amberlin side he he's like you know what I'm gonna show you like you know all you've got to do they're gonna say this you need to respond this way you're gonna they're gonna say this you respond this way and mm -hmm. you like you get a this is gonna protect you in a lot of ways like this is going to you know like put them on their guard a little bit and you know it's not probably gonna be enough but you're gonna you're gonna go in and you're gonna you're gonna be able to fight a little bit you're not just gonna get swept up into whatever shenanigans the ice that i have planned for you right um yes so so he does he does say all that and then mm -hmm. you know the Amarlin gives him all of these choices yeah. and it's it's funny because it's almost like she did this as a little bit of a bait for him at first because then immediately afterwards she's like oh and by the way i know you can channel like right mm -hmm. um and it's completely different now in this moment because she's confirmed it right like brand's only been speculative that she knows and now Rand knows that she knows um and mm -hmm. he in this moment just throws everything out that Lan told him because <laughs> he panics and is like I'm never going to do it again it was totally an accident I didn't want right. to do it I don't want to mm -hmm. do it and he just starts spewing out all of this information um yeah you know which I mean it's 
it's a little bit of that fight or flight instinct, I think. And he's just like, please don't gentle me. Like that's oh, the please, bottom goal. Please. <laughs> please don't yeah. gentle me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I thought was uh, a good factor was how the Omerlin kind of just reacted to this. And she was like, well, you're going to continue to channel, even though you're saying all these things, because you can't help it. Like, mm-hmm. and you need to learn how to do it so that it doesn't kill you. Right. So, and in order to learn how to do it, you're going to have to keep doing it. So it's like this, this vicious circle. And again, Moraine is explaining to him that they can't teach him like it, it it's, and she uses this really great line about how like a bird can't teach a fish how to fly and a fish can't teach a bird how to swim. So, mm-hmm. which is exactly why they will not, um, do it and then the Omerlin explains like she's not going to gentle him um she knows he can channel he needs to, to to figure it out um but she's not going to do it because he is the dragon reborn and this is where he kind of gets a little bit more of that stubborn streak I think and he's you know lashing out I don't want to say lashing out but he's making it known that he does not want to be a puppet to them he doesn't want to be used by them and He's not going to be on their leash and all of this stuff. Um, right. Um, but we do hear Moraine ends up telling the story of how Rand was born, his birth, and like how he got to be, you know, Tam's son, quote unquote, and go to the two rivers. Um, but he still doubts it after hearing all of this, after hearing about the Aiel and everything. He still doubts the story and wants to know why the Omerlin is, you know, letting him leave and do, do as he wills. And he, again, this goes back to what you said too. Like they are just trusting that he needs to do this. They're just trusting that he needs to have the um, free will to do what he pleases in order to let the pattern weave the way it's going to. All right. So one of the interesting things throughout this series is Mm -hmm. the different people who have different approaches on how they should manage the dragon reborn. Like, uh, you know, once, once it's been kind of like widely, uh, uh, you know, acknowledged that someone is the dragon reborn, then because like people, some people are like, well, we need to, we, you know, we need to just let him do his thing like this, you know, we're going to trust the pattern that the pattern will guide him. And other people are, are like, well, uh, you know, can what? He's just this farm boy. He has no experience. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why should we just blindly trust that the pattern, some some weird, you know, wheel thing in the background of everything? Like, it's uh, should we just trust that to our fates, or should we actually take an active hand and actually oppose him, or try to manipulate him and control him, or? should we oppose him entirely and try to wipe him out because uh, because of certain other elements i, I just uh, it's a very interesting thing because they he, the thing that robert jordan does really well in, in all of this is he represents a lot of different viewpoints that are more or less reasonable depending mm-hmm. on the life experience that the different people have and their dispositions etc um it's not just like all the good guys agree on this all the bad guys agree on this it's like he does actually put some okay shades of gray here and there in terms of the perspective and how they want to handle things. So um, in this case, I, I like that Moraine, I mean, it as, as a man who, I, I, you know, you think like, oh, well, what if I had the, 
ran situation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th this is pretty, this is a pretty lenient thing of like, they're letting him, you know, they're acknowledging, hey, like, I know you can channel, but you can, you know, you've got to make some choices here and you can do your thing. And, uh, you know, this is a very, this is a very, you know, like, I don't know, Rand friendly thing for them, you know, instead of them just bludgeoning him into submission and doing what they want. Right. They're just letting him do his thing. Exactly that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. No, I like to do what I want too. So <laughs> I think it just works in this, in this scenario where they know that if they, if they were to bludgeon him or grip too tightly, he's going to bolt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they know in this scenario not to do that. Um, yeah. So we, we end up leaving though from here and point of view changes and we're, we're in Nynaeve's point of view. Um, and she can feel that there's this storm coming. Um, and it's interesting because she can feel there's a storm coming, but she knows that it's not a storm. Um, mm -hmm. And immediately she's like, well, what, what could be a storm that is also not a storm? And immediately is like, oh, Rand. Rand is a storm that isn't a storm. It just connects this dot. So um, she ends up trying to catch him in the hallway and she doesn't. And she finds Lan instead. And this is pretty much the first time they've had uh, that we've seen one-on-one -on -one interaction since that um, night. In the, I think it was in the blight. Yeah. So, yeah, they have this... Uh, you know, Nynaeve is very like standoffish to him of sorts. And she's trying to like nitpick all these different things that like she doesn't like about him just to try to, you know, typical make herself feel better. Um, and it's mm -hmm. not working very well. Um, but Lan ends up giving her his signet ring, like his, right. his you know, and he says like, if you, if you need me, like, send this for me and I'll come right right to you right away um which is interesting land yeah land softening a little bit well uh, one of the really interesting things about about a lot of the thing like the way this is all written mm -hmm. it's not just with land but it, it always like so a character will do something and then Robert Jordan will call it back to saying like, uh, and this is very abnormal for this character, even though we've in a lot of ways, like we, we see Lan and his little like chinks in his armor, like mm -hmm. show up every chapter so far up, up to the, up to this point, at least like you keep seeing these little things. And so it's like, he has all these little chinks in his armor, but, but Robert Jordan keeps saying like, Oh, but this is very abnormal. This is very abnormal. This is, you know, uh, like, the cracks in his, you know, in his self, in his outer, uh, and so, I don't know, uh, it's just a very interesting craft thing, where you see him, you see him not only, at, like, Robert Jordan can portray him as strong by mm -hmm. saying, by contrasting, like, what, oh, well, here's an instance of his weakness, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, but that's not normal that normally he's strong and so he doesn't necessarily have to show the strength very often i, I don't know it's it's a very interesting thing where uh, you know we see him strong i just for how often lands composure cracks right sometimes i'm just like so this isn't just normal for him right because like you're because we see it we see it happening mm -hmm. especially with naive so yeah 
Yeah. Um, but he he ends up leaving. He calls her his his Machiera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Moraine ends up, you know, being in the hallway afterwards, and she kind of has this coy remark about not hearing anything she shouldn't have heard. Um, right. Which I mean, take that that whatever face value you want to take it. Um, but mm-hmm. then then the chapter ends with basically Egwene and Rand talking. She's she's packing to go to Tarvalon. Um, want and wants to know what the Amarlin wanted with Rand and has all of these questions and sure. typical fashion she ends up getting irritated with Rand because she realizes that you know people are referring to him as Lord Rand and she's like Lord Rand is you know scoffing scoffing at this and you know basically saying Rand's getting too big for his britches mm-hmm. um, and and he ends up being outside the woman's apartment he's throwing this fit that he wants to see her because he's convinced they're not going to see each other anymore like he's going to take off she's going to go to Tarvalon. she's going to become an Aes Sedai and he's not going to be a puppet for the Aes Sedai so he's he's not going to see her and he has these parting parting words of wisdom is you know don't choose the red Aja <laughs> like, right yeah which is just like a, the selfish thing actually mm-hmm it is. It is a selfish thing. So it's a it's an interesting uh interaction with them, I think. Cause I think like this is probably one of the first times you've seen both of them acknowledge the fact that they do care for each other, even though they don't act like they care for each other. Right. Yeah, I it's like, okay, well. Just because you say it doesn't mean you actually live it. Uh, Right. Right. Okay. You know, great. That's cool. That's pretty neat. Um, Yeah. But, but there is this moment of, I don't know, like it, it feels a little more like a relationship finally. Yeah. Like, which is hilarious. It's taken this long to get there, but that's where we are. Yeah. I I do like the way this show shows their relationship because they're, they show them hurting each other and being awful to each other in some ways, but it feels so much more real, you know, like, like, well, she, she breaks up with him a few times. Like, she's like, I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. But at the same time, she's always, she's also like, I want you. I want like, you know, uh, but, but it feels very human in this Mm -hmm. one. It's like, I don't know. I, I guess they're awkward teenagers. I mean, I, I had my share of awkward moments too with in relationships when I was a teenager of, you know, you can't express what you're feeling or you, right. you express it in a really weird way that is kind of off-putting or something. And mm-hmm. that's all that, all, all of the people I was in relationships with, that's what they did, not me, of course, but. Right, of course. <laughs> clearly, clearly. But, but, you know, like in some ways you can kind of understand that they're, you know, it, you're like, okay, they kind of, but at the same time, I, I don't think, I don't think any of my relationships, uh, no matter how awkward they were in any time, at any point, were, were nearly as wooden and strange as they are in book one, at least. Yeah, exactly. It's very, that's exactly what it is. It's very wooden and weird. Yeah, so. yeah it's like, oh, they care about each other. Uh, <laughs> I guess I believe you. <laughs> exactly. So... I mean, we see a little bit more here. And then the chapter yeah. ends. Yay. 
Yay. So chapter nine, leave takings, um, which there isn't anything. I didn't think there was anything super, super crazy in here. Um, brand, brand, they're all getting ready to leave. They're all going for, on the hunt for the horn. So he heads to the outer gate to pre- prepare to leave. Um, he recognizes a couple of the guys there. It doesn't matter. But then he's surprised that he sees Loyal ride up to him. And, you know, Loyal still wants to go with them. He still wants to go with Taviran. Um, and they have this kind of like conversation and Rand quasi apologizes to him and it's loyal and he's loyal. So, you know, they're, he listens to him and doesn't give him the cold shoulder. Unlike Matt and Perrin who, you know, ride up, take a glance at Rand and then ride away from him and don't even give him the time of day. So Mm -hmm. they're both quite pissed. Um, but Lan and ends up teaching him another lesson here. So he comes up to Rand and he teaches him. It's the final lesson he says is sheathing the sword, which Rand is like, you've been telling me how to use a sword for weeks now. And you're going to tell me how to sheath it. Like this does not make any sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's honestly interesting. Um, Cause he's basically like, you're going to know when the time is right where you're just going to let the sword go into your body. And I was like, that's, that does not sound like a good time. Right. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, but, but, you know, once again, like this feels very movie, like actually of, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, at some point you're going to need this. And and at, at that point, you're like, at what point does this character use this? Right. You know, let the, the teacher bestows the ancient wisdom that you're going to have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Right. And the, it, it's said, in, you know, with it's not just said in passing, it's said with specific intent. And you're like, oh, this is going to happen at some point, or at least you're going to try to do it at some point. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but, uh, you know, the fact that Lan was so intentional about it, mm-hmm. it's just interesting. To me. It is. It is. Um, but the Omerlin is there as well, and she's with Agomar, and Agomar is trying to convince her to stay longer, and she's just she's not mm-hmm. having it. Um, and while all this is happening, Rand can also feel a set of eyes on him, watching him. Um, and then there's an arrow that flies right past him, and it grazes the arm of the Omerlin. So everyone mm-hmm. is just you know freaking out, trying to figure out who who did this and catch them and the Omerlin makes some kind of comment towards Rand that makes it obvious that she knows the arrow was not meant for her it was meant for Rand and it just missed like right this person did not have did not have good aim um but that she also just doesn't want them to to worry about her and have this whole you know what's the word I'm looking for all this fuss over her she's like just get out of here like go do your business and leave and like don't don't worry about me kind of thing so they end up leaving and Huron is a sniffer and he joins he joins them on the way out of the city and they all just follow his lead yeah he's a sniffer it means he Hmm. can he can see or he can smell violence yes and yeah it's just yeah yay they're on a quest they're on a quest um and then nine chapters sorry for 
Uh, yeah, it just it took nine chapters to get there. It, it took nine chapters, but they're on a quest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut to Bale Dolman's point of view, and he is in Ilian, captain of the Spray. Yeah. Um, so he, he's the guy who transported Matt and yes. Rand Tom. and Tom. Yep. Yeah. From like what when they were and sh- at Shadar Logoth, his boat mm-hmm. was the one that they found and jumped on. Yeah. But now, so, now he's in Ilian. Yes. So he's there. The hunt's begun for the horn. Um, but he ends up going into an inn. And there are these three guys who are kind of sitting in a corner and he notices them, the innkeeper notices them. And while he's sitting by himself doing his own thing, they end up coming over to him and they're like, you know what? Um, we we have somebody that needs to be picked up from Mayan. And mm-hmm. we need you to do it. We're going to pay you an obscene amount of money to do it. And you can't ask who this person is. You just need to go, go to the port, get the person, bring them mm-hmm. back here. Yep. Um, and he ends up agreeing because it's an obscene amount of money. I think it was like a thousand marks, they said, or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so he ends up paying. They gave him a little bit of money up front, and then he's going to get a little bit more when he goes and picks the person up, and then he gets a little, he gets the rest of it when he comes back. Um, so he pays for his drink with some of the gold that they gave him and the innkeeper notices that they are um tarvalin marks and then he realizes that they're all tarvalin marks and that this is actually bad because there are white cloaks in Ilian. so if he has all of these marks that are clearly tarvalin marks it's going to look like he is working with the Aes Sedai or you know the witches so to speak um and the white cloaks could not like him for that so he, he kind of makes this, this connection that they clearly don't want him to stay in town because they, they want him to leave the, by doing this. Um, but he, he's in, he's still in the end and his second hand, is that the right word for it? Comes in Yaren. Second in command. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, you know, second mate, first second mate, mate oh. you yeah. know, uh, and he's just like, Karn is dead. Um, they don't know who, he doesn't know who did it but it looks like whoever did it wanted info from him and there were men trying to sneak onto the spray last night and you know it's just all this clear uh fluster and worry and that doman makes the call he's like that's it we're leaving now like screw waiting for morning we're going now tell everyone um as soon as the boat is ready to leave we're leaving if you're not on the boat you know tough you're staying behind then yep goodbye um, goodbye and uh so yeah he gets they all get on the boat and he ends up telling yarn to head towards the arth ocean the arth ocean yep away from mayan which is where he was paid to go so he's not Mm -hmm. going the direction that he is supposed to go right yeah um and then i believe um it ends with him in his chambers or whatever aboard on the boat and he ends up finding a piece of a seal i believe and it's marked with an ancient i said i symbol i want to say oh yeah he uh, he just has it as part of his collection mm-hmm. yeah yeah he's just going through his things and he has that and then that's it chapter nine is done yeah uh yeah so i like the bail doman part actually it's, it's just yeah. an interesting thing like he's just getting set up 
and it's all elaborate and stuff you know well because well, he opens the letter right mm-hmm. yeah yes, it's like yes. it's like yeah just just go whoever this is uh, you know whoever is bearing this he's a dark friend you know like go ahead and kill him or whatever mm-hmm. and yeah I, I thought it was funny I was like wow he made a nice little profit there just like take the money out of those people's hands and then peace out but at the other on the other hand it just shows uh, you know there there are a lot of things going on and mm-hmm. he's got he, it looks like maybe he has one of the seals to the dark ones prison which right. you know that we had just seen earlier with Moraine and Swan talking mm-hmm. about it and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, otherwise, I liked the I liked the part where I don't know. It's like who who was trying to kill? Like, were they trying to kill Rand or the the Amerlin? You know, right? With the with the assassination. Um, I don't know. Uh, this this wasn't. It's uh, like the most interesting chapter, but it yeah. does set a lot of things in motion. No, and it lets you know that there are a lot of things, there are a lot of moving parts outside of just where the Emmons Fielders are. Oh. So one thing about this whole section as uh, the section as a whole mm-hmm. it, that I like actually that uh, I'll point out is that uh, you, you can just see, so in, in the previous book, it was like, okay, the viewpoint character is Rand, unless, mm-hmm there is a good reason, like, unless we can't see something that's important, then we'll use one of the quote unquote quote, lesser characters right. and we'll see things through their eyes. And in this book, it's been made very clear that he's departing from that storytelling, like it, Rand might still be the focus, but we're also like, he, he'll just switch to Perrin randomly or he'll switch to, you know, there's a ton of different random other characters like, like the uh, like Lord Gia from Bornhold of the White Cloaks, mm-hmm. and you know we see Moraine quite a bit, and uh, you know we see all these different viewpoint characters immediately. At this point in Wheel or in Eye of the World, we've still only seen the world through Rand's eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's nice. I like the jumping around. It's done really well. Yeah, and I think that that's a good way to, you know, a good sign that Robert Jordan's being, you know, he's feeling more comfortable with his craft and that he can, he can just jump in instead of, I mean, it it must be easier to write a book from Mm -hmm. one character's perspective, because you only have to represent one viewpoint. Absolutely. And uh, so Robert Jordan is, you know, representing. Multiple. uh, Yeah, that's just fun. Yeah. Um, so who's the Mac for you here? In this um, hmm. Someone is. So, someone is the Mac. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's Rand this time. No. Uh, I think, well, so, so Rand tries to make things right here. Like everything he does is kind of yeah. vulnerable, right? Like he's, he's trying to find Egwene he's trying Mm -hmm. to you know he's he's trying to do right by Matt like we gotta we gotta find that dagger like he doesn't even care about the horn really Mm -hmm. he wants to find the dagger for Matt and honestly I think that the most annoying character in this section is probably Mm -hmm. either Matt or Perrin yeah they're really stubborn in this section yeah I, I mean yeah they they just Egwene is pretty stubborn as well, but she's not doing anything that's really outside of her character, I don't think. 
No, um, I mean, none, none of them are like super outside their character. I do think uh, we could almost like, we're not, I don't think we should, but I mean, Leandrin is, is obnoxious as hell the whole right. time, but she, she's kind of just framed as a bad guy. So we're not supposed to think she's unannoying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think that, I mean, Matt we see, Perrin. yeah, Matt and Perrin just for their, well, cause, cause Loyal just accepts his apology, right? right. I mean, he, he he apologizes to Loyal and Loyal's like, oh, okay. I know you humans are freaking weirdos. Right. You know, he, he does some, some kind of fun, just like backhanded. Oh yeah. Humans are stupid. Yeah, sure. I'll forgive you. Cause you're stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it's you know that's loyal and he's he does it in a very endearing manner so yeah I I guess I don't know if I had to choose one maybe it would be Perrin uh, well or Matt Uh, Matt (laughs) Matt is Matt is just like every time he sees Rand he's just he's a total dick back to him he he refuses to think Mm. you know to but now I'm I'm kind of blending in. Like I think that there's more instances of Matt being a dick later. So, mm-hmm. I th- who, if you had to choose, which one would you choose? I feel like I would choose Perrin, only because we've seen Matt be a dick already, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's more in character for Matt to be a little bit of a dick than Perrin. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just get annoyed by all of them. Okay, Perrin. Perrin is the Mac. Perrin it is. All right. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap? I think so. We can't go in depth into this level of depth in the next right section. Um, we'll have to talk about the format and everything. But uh, so we're gonna do chapters ten through nineteen, which is ten total chapters, and uh, you know, it's a significant chunk of the book. So. We're gonna we're gonna have to miss certain plot points, and um, uh, so I I think that the awesome part is this opens the opportunity for us to maybe discuss the book more mm-hmm. on the Discord server as other people are reading along with us. Right. Yeah. So we'll we'll hit the main plot points, what the most important stuff is. Yeah, and then and just hit us up on Discord. Yeah. Talk get about our it. get our thoughts because I have thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> You often do. I often have <laughs> thoughts. All right. Well, if that's everything, then uh, cool. So thanks, cool. thanks for hanging for an yeah, hour. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening and or watching. May you always find water and shade.